0: Hey friends, I'm so, so thrilled to be bringing you season three of That's What She Did podcast. That's right, season three of this tiny little podcast that started out as a simple experiment. And here we are with season three. As is our tradition, we are launching during Women's History Month. And this season, I'm bringing you a theme that is unapologetic each episode is organized under the umbrella of unapologetic women. These are women unapologetically pursuing whatever lights their fire, both past and present. I'm bringing you stories of these incredible rabble-rousers, truth-tellers, and artists that are lighting fires all over the place, or that history books did not make the appropriate space for. The season is going to be such a good time and I'm so happy that you're here with me. So buckle up and let's get started. You're listening to season three, episode four of That's What She Did podcast. I'm your host, TNG Renee. This episode is the update episode about Our former guest, Chyna Tulliver. Chyna appeared on season two, episode eight, during a time in her life when she was still working as a doula. We talked a lot about her expertise in that field and women's health issues from a birth lens. But Chyna is also the guest on this show that I'm asked about most frequently Everybody wants to know what's going up with China because they just enjoyed her so much. Well, a lot has shifted in her life and she happened to be in town this week. So we got together, recorded a quick update episode, and I think you're gonna be pretty surprised at the direction China is taking her life in now. Make sure you listen to the end because it's a wild world out there and China is on her big adventure. I hope you like it. As usual, please send me your feedback from the show. There's a couple ways you can do that. Number one, you if you're an iTunes user, you can leave me a review. I will read it. Or you can get to me very directly and very quickly by sending an email to that's what she did at gmail.com. I love getting your feedback. Now, if you've been listening to the show, the best way that you can support it is simply hitting the su- subscribe button. And th- for your favorite episodes, Give it a share. Let your friends know so that they can give it a try as well. Thank you so much for your continued support of the show. I love you so much. And we really want to create episodes that you love. So if there is a woman that you think needs to be profiled on the show, if you are a woman that needs to be profiled on this show, all you got to do is send me an email and let me know. Now, let's go ahead and get started. China what's up China China's back y'all I'm back (laughs) y'all miss me I know y'all miss me I'm back you are listening to that's what she did podcast and I'm bringing back China Tolliver today because if you've been binge listening to the show or just been following it in general she was on season two so last season episode eight in her role as a doula and a new podcaster, we had a conversation about obstetric violence, which is a particular area of expertise for China. But China is one of is not one of the most. Um, she's the the guest that I hear about the most from listeners. So if somebody is going <laughs> to wonder about someone that's been a guest on this show, China is the one that they're going to ask me about. Um, and they're gonna be like, so what's up with China? <laughs> Where's I mean, I
1: China? To me, that's so hilarious to me that people, I mean, I'm honored. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Thank you to all the guests and fans out there who have been asking about me. I'm here, I'm back. Um, and I think you guys are gonna be quite tickled with the update. Yes. With
0: the, Yeah, so, where she's been. Chyna is back in Denver for a short amount of time. Like, as we record this, she's leaving again in a week. And a lot has changed. A lot of sh- has shifted in China's world. And I thought it was the perfect time. Well, China thought it was the perfect time, really, <laughs> for an update. Because she's in the middle of kind of like a life transition. Where we last oh, left hi. off, China, you were you had just finished recording the content for Birth Control Podcast. And we're working on releasing it. You were um, g- getting out of being a doula. I think you were working with your last client at that point and you were leaving the US to go to Haiti and work in a birth clinic, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's where I was. That's where we left so off. Where are you yeah, today?
1: <laughs> I and I, I did not release my podcast, birth control podcast. Um, because like I told you earlier, like I was completely disillusioned about the amount of work that it takes to do a podcast. Fair. I mean, there is a lot of background that you have to do. Like you can't just sit in front of the microphone and interview folks, like you have to actually release it. And I was waiting for like the podcast fairies <laughs> to like come into my world and do this for me and nobody showed up.
0: Yeah, no. And that's
2: just,
1: no. And I didn't have the capital at the time to hire somebody to do the work for me. So I just literally left my podcast, like sitting on the shelf. So I still have all of my episodes, but I never went forward with it.
0: So I think it's really important that you were able to admit that because the reality is like, if you just look at the the numbers around podcasting, most people that create a podcast is somewhere around like 40 or 50% never even get past the 10th episode anyway. They just like, they're like, this is hard. I don't have time for it. And quit. it's much more work than people think because it sounds like, Oh, it's just recording a conversation. And sure, you're recording a conversation. There's definitely much more in the back end that happens. So I appreciate your honesty being like,
2: look.
1: <laughs> yeah, girl, like I like I still love my podcast and I interviewed like 25 people, you know, total. And I thought my idea was great, my passion was there, my enthusiasm, I had support, I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm right? I didn't, I wanted to like monetize this thing. And I thought like, oh yeah, because the podcast series are going to help me do that too. But the reality again is like, you have to put in the sweat equity. Like you have to do the work. What you hear on in your earbuds, there's a lot of time and energy that goes behind that. Like you're just hearing a snippet of like all the hours that people put into their podcast. So Lesson learned. I am taking some of my podcast episodes now and turning them into blogs, articles I'm writing. Mm -hmm. So they're not completely wasted. But for sure, I think I disappointed a lot of people because I didn't move forward with actually producing a finished product.
0: So essentially, well, first of all, again, um, props to you for being honest about that. And you know, the the I think the process of figuring out who you are in business or in anything that you're gonna do takes time. You have to try on things. You have to have the courage to do that. And sometimes you do some stuff and you find out like it's just not for you. It's just not gonna work out. So I can really appreciate you even going through that process of figuring out because so many people don't even get started.
1: Yeah, girl, I've had so many businesses that I've tried that have failed. Right. Like I'm comfortable with failure oh, me at too. this point. <laughs> Yeah, I almost am like fell fast. So I can just get up fast. Like I was hustling Avon in high school. Like I have been an entrepreneur and a hustler for a very long time. I remember um, my mom was selling Avon and I was like, I'm gonna sell this too. I mean, you name it. I've tried it. Mm-hmm. I have like, so I am comfortable saying like, okay, that didn't work out. I put money into it. I put time into it. This is not for me. Let me just go ahead, wrap this up try something new because you don't know if the next business is going to be the one that pops. Mm -hmm. So having a fear of failure, that's, that's fake. Go ahead and fail. And again, try, get up and do it again.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. I've, I've a board entrepreneur. I've been selling stuff since I was in elementary school. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm a serial
0: entrepreneur. Yeah. I've done a lot of stuff and failed at it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not my thing. <laughs> Next.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've tried to work for people and I've been successful in, in jobs, like, right, nine to five jobs. But I used to call it like, cubicle city. Like, mm-hmm. when you just, like, walk into these, like, corporations and you just get your little spot, your little cube. And then I just feel like a part of my soul just, like, immediately starts to atrophy and die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm uh, at this point, I'm unemployable. Yeah. I'm a, I have to have my own business. I have to see it through. I have to see my ideas into fruition. I don't think I'm able to actually really work for anybody at this point.
0: Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's rough out there. I mean, I haven't had a, like a job in a long time. And, you know, I, I respect people that can do it for, like, these people that can do this their job for, like, 10 years or whatever, five, five years even. I'm like, wow, you've been in the same job for five years. <laughs> That's a long-ass time. <laughs> it is a
1: long time. And, you know, and I get it. Like, people have kids and they have mortgages. I don't have either one of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't have a spouse. I'm single. I don't have that capital hanging over my head mm-hmm. that I have to, like, go and make that money. Right. But at the same time, I don't have some of the luxuries that folks do have who work nine to fives. It's like a fine balance. Like when you live a hustler's life and you're just like every month you coming up with it, you learn to sacrifice and you figure out really quickly what's important to you and what you, what your must haves, what you can do without.
0: Mm -hmm. Agree. So in going through that, that conversation with yourself, like figuring out what's important to you. How did you come to the decision? Okay, I'm not releasing this podcast, or at least you're not releasing that content in the way that you originally intended to re- release it. And you're like, I'm I'm going to Haiti.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Haiti came up like as a surprise. Um, I really wasn't looking for it. It kind of just swung my way. So I was like, fuck it, I'm taking it. Um, and I worked at a birth center down in, in um Cap Haitian Haiti. I, at the time, felt like, okay, I'm going to let this podcast sit on the shelf, and then I'm going to come back to it. And one day I will release it. And it still may happen. Like, now I do have the capital to release a podcast, but now I don't have the time Mm -hmm. to release a podcast. So I'm basically paying for storage space on a server um, to hold my episodes. And if I get back to it, yeah, if I don't, I don't. I'm not as invested as I once was in, in the podcasting game
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's okay I think that's fine I kind of maybe I run that course people run courses in their life all the time try to hang on and it's no, it just let it go yeah. just like release that shit
0: well I think I think what it is is it's knowing who you are and you know you like you know who you are and you're like okay I tried this thing and it didn't fit and so I'm just not going to waste any more time with it
1: Absolutely, and I, you know, when I went to Haiti, it's worth saying that like I took everything I owned with me to Haiti in two bags.
0: So So, like, so back up. So I remember when you were first telling me the process you went through of like Maria Condoing your life before Maria Condo had a show on Netflix that everybody freaked out about, (laughs) and you showed me the bags, and I was like, "Yo, you're serious. Your stuff really does all fit in that bag." And I was a little yeah. amazed, like a little in awe. So tell us like what that looked like for you.
1: I was recondoing condoing like like um, over a year ago. You know, um, one of my cousins had made a comment about, you know, if you want more opportunity for co-creation in your life, you need to get rid of your shit. That was basically what she said. And that was February 2nd, 2018. I call it like my declutter-versary <laughs> where I just started putting shit in trash bags, like If it did not serve me, if I didn't wear it, it had to go. And I'm talking about, I had a lot of stuff, tons of clothes, tons of shoes. I'm a sewer. I'm I'm like, I like crafts. I love all the shit. I just started taking it to the goodwill. And as it got down to the really hard, hard stuff, I had to make a decision. Do I want this item or do I want my life?
2: Mm.
1: And my life always won. So I got my possessions down to one 90 liter bag and one 40 liter backpack and that is all I took to Haiti everything I owned I was there for a month came back and was like okay I need to get rid of more shit and at that point I didn't really have anything in the first (laughs) place but I had enough to say do you want your life or do you want this stuff and again I want my life I want to travel Mm -hmm. I don't want I don't care about you know earrings and t-shirts and jeans Give me five pair of panties and a couple t shirts, bitch. I'm out. I'm going, <laughs> and that's what I like. Pretty much own now. Like I pretty much own ten items of clothing.
0: Do you miss any of the stuff?
1: A couple things. Um, I miss my sewing machine. Absolutely. That's for sure. That was a hustle. I was hustling making clothes for people. Um, I miss that. I threw away a really expensive toothbrush. I know why. It was like a Sonicare toothbrush. You threw it, it like away? It was 200 and something.
0: I have one of those. I, threw, I know exactly how much of is. They're $220. I,
1: <laughs> it's not funny. I threw it away. I had to come back and I recently bought another one. So I kicked myself <laughs> that. So I do miss that. But to tell you the truth, girl, it's not really anything that I miss. I couldn't tell you right now, like one thing I could point to and say, I miss that dress or I miss that skirt or I miss that top. I don't see it out of sight, out of mind.
0: You know what? I think that you need to like, be writing an email to Maria Kondo.
1: Maybe I should, girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Have like a feature on her whatever, her blog. I don't, does she blog? I don't know. What, I don't whatever know. She does.
1: I took it so far to like, I got rid of all my products too. Like I only use one product for everything. Like I use African black soap as my shampoo, conditioner, body wash, shaving cream. Like it is, I'm down to one bar of, of soap that serves my whole body.
0: How does and that work for still. deodorant?
1: Oh, I still wear deodorant. <laughs> oh, <okay.
0: laughs> like, like, I was going to say, I something? saw you earlier and you weren't smelling.
1: So <laughs> let me back up. I still have deodorant, toothpaste, and black soap, okay. but that's it. Those are the only products that I use that can fit in my bag that I'm traveling with.
0: So, are you going to be able to get black soap where you're going?
1: I'm taking a couple bars with me, but if I can't, like, have I'm have to get right? They'll have, some... yeah, they'll have, they'll have exactly. They'll have something for me.
0: They will. They'll have something for you. Okay. So, at this point. You're not a doula at all, because I think last time we I had you on the show, yeah, you were still actively working as a doula, although you were down to your last last uh, client. So that means like the way I should have introduced you has changed. And right now, what I'm going with is that China Tolliver, writer, world traveler, seeker of lovers unknown, which we will get to in a moment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I am so happy that I'm no longer a doula. And I love that time in my life. It served me well. I had some great experiences, but that ride is done. It is. And what I got from it, from going to Haiti, was this gift of like writing. That is the joy of it. As soon as I like dropped what wasn't working for me, I immediately found something oh my gosh, this is going to work. This is going to pay some bills too. Because I still gotta eat. Mm -hmm. But how did how did you know
0: you had invested so much time and resources into building a brand about, you know, the urban doula? Like people know you as that. And you know, till this day you're still getting requests, like people want to hire you as their doula. So that took a lot of intentional, very focused effort. How did you know that you were done? How did you come to that choice? I just didn't have
1: the same passion for birth anymore. Like I felt myself literally like withdrawing from my clients, withdrawing from my business. I didn't put the same amount of time and energy and like sweat equity as I was years before. Yeah, I still showed up for my folks and I was still there advocating for them and supporting them in the best ways. But I almost felt a little resentful sometimes. And I was like, oh, this is bad. Like resentment is one of those emotions that like creeps in and it wants to stay. Mm -hmm. So that's how I knew I was like, I think we're done. And I knew about a year before I actually shut down shop. I just didn't have, I just didn't have like the self-esteem or I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, well, how am I going to make money?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I still got this card note and it's insurance and student loan payments. And this is the way I've been making money successfully and really quite easily. Now, how am I going to bring in, you know, that bag? So I just kept at it and kept at it. until so finally, when I went to Haiti, I was like, I, I can't. I just, I don't have it anymore. I don't. So knowing when to just let some shit go is is the best thing. Mm-hmm.
0: So you just let it go.
1: I did. I did. I let it go. I booked my last client. And since I've been back, I've had a lot of people contact me and say, hey, I'm pregnant again with baby two or baby three. Can you serve as my jeweler?" And I've had to turn folks away and refer them to other Julas. Because even though that would be like some really nice, quick cash, it's not worth my peace of mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not. I have other ways I can make money. I have other skills and talents that I'm tapping into to bring in some bring in what I need.
0: Mm. Um, so I think when we were chatting earlier, you said something that really resonates with me because it's something that I say to my clients and like to everyone women all the time and you said, you know, it just wasn't the way I wanted to feel. And I think that's such a powerful question is, is, you know, when a client comes to me, a potential client, one of the first things I ask them is, well, how do you want to feel? They often don't have an answer. They've never even thought about it. Um, Was that the guiding question for you as you were going, you were first had inklings that maybe you didn't want to be in the doula business anymore?
1: I didn't know how I wanted to feel. I just knew I didn't want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel the anxiety and the resentment um, of, you know, and that's so hard because birth is so beautiful. Birth is so amazing. And it's really an honor to be there when somebody takes their first breath. Right. Mm -hmm. You think about like how deep that is. I get to stand there and witness that. At the same time, I'm walking away down the corridor of the hospital totally exhausted, burnt the fuck up, you know, hungry, my back hurts. And I'm thinking to myself, I physically cannot keep doing this. Like, even if I can mentally hang on, my body is telling me, you're done in China. 13 hour births, 15 hour births, you know, that does a number to you. Not just your mind, but like my, my shoulders, my legs, my feet. My body was like, I think it's time to tap. Let the young girls have it. Let them do it.
0: <laughs> You're still young, Chata. Like, <laughs> I am still so young, but like,
1: <laughs> I, I just don't have like, the bandwidth and the patience um, as I used to. And it's not fair to my clients. They need somebody top-notch who's in it, vested by their side, mm-hmm. in there. And, and I think it's important in any profession to know when it's time to call it. Yeah. We've all seen... And no offense to folks, but we've all seen that like 55-year-old woman in the club with the young with the young crowd. And we're like, girl, I think it's time to call it. I think, I think you might be done. It's time to tap sis. You seen that woman, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's not a good look. So before I'm that person, let me check myself and go ahead and just give it to the young girls. Yeah.
0: It's in every profession, but I think it's also just having integrity where you're like, my heart just isn't here. I gotta go. That's right. Yeah, it's a professional courtesy too. Like to your to your people, you know.
1: Um, and the women that I'm referring to, they these are great women. These are great doulas, highly skilled and trained. They're in it. They're focused, and I'm I'm confident they can you know support folks like they need to. They're about that life. They're about that life <laughs> where I am no longer about that two o'clock in the morning that phone is ringing. Can you come to the hospital during the snowstorm? My answer no. would well,
0: always be no, which is why I wouldn't ever <laughs> be
1: in that profession. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a hard sell. Um, we had a bomb cyclone here, you know, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, that pressure dropped, put a lot of folks in labor. Did it really? And, oh my gosh, yes, girl. People were prepping for it. Like, okay, when this bomb cyclone hits, the phones are going to be ringing off the hook. So I was like, if they call me right now, I can't even see out the front door. How am I going to get to a hospital or to someone's house to support their labor? No, (laughs) ma'am.
0: I didn't even think I wouldn't never. That thought never would have crossed my mind. It didn't occur to me that Mm -hmm. that pressure drop. I mean, it gave me a headache, but.
1: (laughs) It's real. It's so real.
0: Crazy. Okay. So go to Haiti. What was the best and the worst part about your experience there?
1: Um, The best part was, I mean, I delivered my first baby as a student midwife, Mm -hmm. right? Within like 24 hours of hitting the ground, I was already in a role of learning. So I dropped doula and picked up student midwife pretty much within a month of each other. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. I worked under some, these midwives in Haiti, their resourcefulness level is, at its highest. You don't even know the comforts that we have here in the U.S. around birth until you go somewhere where everything, every item is used 17 times before it's thrown away. You know, like how you have to be super creative with everything that you have because you might not get anymore. So like, I feel blessed to have had that experience. It was hard because of the same reason. Everything is used 17 times Mm -hmm. before it's thrown away. So these women are... They don't have all the luxuries, if I want to call them that, that we have in the U.S. We may say they're safeguards, but they're luxury items. Mm-hmm. They, not, they don't care about birth in, in water in Haiti. They don't care about essential oils or rebozo scars, you know, big birth balls. They just want a live baby. They want to just go home with a breathing baby in their arms. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because not everybody did.
0: While you were there? Did
1: you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were some women who came to our birth center who had fetal demise. Mm-hmm. We delivered babies who were stillborn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they still need care and love. They still need somebody to help them through that process. They can't go to the hospital. They can't afford it. So it was our job, you know, my job as a student midwife under these skilled midwives to support them through this labor process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was hard. Very hard. It sounds like it. It sucked. And and these women do it. These midwives do it. They live in the birth center. So we lived upstairs. Mm -hmm. Right. And the birth center is downstairs and the clinic is downstairs. And it's like its own little community within these walls of this little, this like mini mansion that we lived in. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's amazing. I would encourage people. World travel changes you. Yeah. It changes everything about you down to the DNA. Mm-hmm. Some shit you just can't unsee. Yeah. Some experience you just can't unhave. Yeah.
0: Real talk. Agreed. Agreed. So, what was the best part?
1: The best part, honestly, oh my gosh, there were so many best parts, girl. I mean, the, just the amount I learned in that month I was there. I was loved on a lot by the midwives. I mean, there was a massive language barrier, but they really loved on me. They taught me a lot. Like I almost delivered a baby in the backseat of a car. <laughs> <laughs> and, like the midwives, they—I would just make these decisions, and they'd be like, "No, China, we're going to do it this way." <laughs> you know, like, they just allowed me so much room and space for teaching and grace. Like when I messed up, they didn't chastise me or let me feel bad. They just redirected me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And that's what I can really respect and appreciate. They knew, they, they knew and, and, and really called me in and like loved on me. That's rare. Mm-hmm. I'm an American woman with a lot of privilege coming to a birth center in a developing country, you know, w- with the purpose of learning. And these women are like, we got you. We got you 100. We're going to teach you as much as we can. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful. You also started writing there, you mentioned, and you've posted some of your writing. It's really good. I love when you post it. Um, it's better than any blog that I've read lately. So, <laughs> so good job. So tell us a little bit. You, you have a name for it, right? The 90 Second Read?
1: Yeah, that's what I recently named it. Um, when I was in Haiti, it didn't have any name. I would just sit in my little twin size bed. I just little like tiny, like I'm five, nine, two hundred and like forty pounds. I'm a big woman, big black woman. So they put me in this little like twin size IKEA bed. Like, <laughs> so anyway, I would lay in my little bed and I would just start to like write little short stories to describe the pictures I was posting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you can post a picture of your travels, but people don't have context to what the picture is. It's just a picture. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. I would take a picture and say, like, this is a little bit of backstory. And then people were really receptive to it. Like, I was shocked. Mm -hmm. I was really shocked. And so once a week, I would just take a new picture and post a new little short story. And they got the 90-second read because they were so short. They were tiny little stories that, like, captivated someone's attention for 90 seconds. And then they went on about their life. I didn't want to take up too much of their time. Mm-hmm. So 90 seconds, that's what my goal was. No more than 90 second read. So what's the
0: plan with the 90 second read now?
1: So the 90 second read, me and the 90 second read are going to Columbia next Friday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I am going to write about like, this is like my first time going public. I feel like I've been in the closet, but <laughs> I'm going to write about the the travels of a single black woman, finding a lover, In another country and what that looks like, like not, I'm not doing like lover tourism. I'm doing this like exploration journey of like really figuring out who I am as a lover. Like I mentioned to you earlier, I know how to have sex. I don't know how to be sexy. I don't know how to be sensual, but I have been trained to have sex. Mm -hmm. And that's just not good enough anymore for a 35 year old woman. It's not going to do. So I'm going to write short stories about myself on this journey, on the single woman's journey to explore as a lover, the lover's experience. Parts unknown. It's like Anthony Bourdain meets Eat, Pray, Love (laughs) slamming together for the 35
0: year old black girl from Detroit. I like it. I see a manuscript in the future. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) I. I would love it. And Um, you can just call it Seeker of Lovers Unknown. Yeah. And uh, it could be a Netflix show. That would be amazing.
1: It has so many potentials. And I know people are going to be like, why she choose Columbia? So let me just tell it. Okay. So back in the day, I had this boyfriend who was Afro-Colombian when I was like running the streets of San Diego like a hoodlum. And he was like a complete ass, but he was super like sexy and sensual. And I was like, what the fuck is that about? Like, is this how they, I don't, I didn't know. I was just enthralled with our sex life.
0: Right? And he, <laughs> so you I'm liked not, the like, sex com- more than you liked him.
1: 100. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so then he would always talk about Colombia and how beautiful Colombia was and you know, how amazing the people and the food and the culture and how good the sex was in colombia and i was like
0: what so he was saying that the sex is like that always because they're colombian it's like a culture or something
1: and it could be also very machismo yeah yeah. right so that that's a part of that culture too but i was like well let me go see for myself (laughs) if this was just a one-time fluke or if this is like the real deal hockey field and so that's why I picked Columbia. I, I want to go to Columbia, but I also have this like intrigue, like what is waiting for me down here. And some folks may hear this and say, like, "Oh, she's want to go down there have sex." Like she just want to, you know,
0: nothing wrong with that. While. By the way, absolutely, grown ass If you want to go to Columbia and have all kinds of sex all day long, that's your business.
1: Every day, today, tomorrow, day, yesterday, <laughs> what I want to do. <laughs> But I'm deciding that like, I tried the boyfriend thing, didn't work out for me. I've tried the like, I want a husband thing, let's be engaged and get married. That also did not work out for me. Let me try something different. Let me step into my full grown womanness and say that: like, what if there is some more to like literally having a lover? Like, what does that mean? What does that spell out for somebody who doesn't fit into single or want to be married? And that's what I'm gonna go find out.
0: I mean, there's a lot of gray area, right?
1: <laughs> there's a ton. Yeah.
2: And yeah.
0: we get kind of stuck in this like either or place.
1: And the stories that we do see of women who who do this, like the eprey love Elizabeth Gilbert, um, these they're privileged white women. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a there's a lot of layers to this. Like, you know, I mentioned that. You know, I'm 35 years old, I'm an African-American woman, I'm 5'9", I'm 240 pounds. I don't fit the mold of somebody who's going to go have a wanderlust. You know, when we think about who's going to have these adventures, that's not how people see. They don't see almost a six foot tall black woman with long dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like I'm kicking in a new door. Like, I'm showing other women of color, like, you can do this, too. You don't have to just be, you know, eat what you've been served. You can put whatever you want on your own plate and enjoy it, girl. Or you can put whoever you want on your own plate and enjoy it, girl. Yes.
2: Yes, (laughs) right?
1: Like, if you want a lover, get you a lover, girl. Are there going to be pictures
0: of these lovers?
1: If they consent, girl, yes. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't want folks to think I'm just making this shit up. (laughs) I I
2: don't know. No no one
0: thinks that you're making it up. I mean, I certainly know you're not making it up, but I just would like, would like to see that.
1: (laughs) Oh, I absolutely 100% like, and I don't know if it's going to be multiple or one. I mean, this, this whole thing, I hate to say like it's experimental, but like any kind of adventure does have an experimental piece to it. Like, I'm taking my hands off of it. I know my intentions. I know what I want to do, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to just walk up to like random men on the street like and offer them a lover's experience. Like, no, it's going to happen organically. Like, that's the goal—an
0: organic relationship. So that's one question. Yeah, do you have room in your bag for a Costco-sized box of condoms? Absolutely, right? (laughs) checking <laughs> girl, do we need friends,
1: to make a costco right <laughs> one of my friends works um she was just like i don't know what she does exactly but she was like girl i got you on the case of magnums and this is why i can't take too much shit to columbia with me because i gotta make sure there's room in the bag for my like giganto size <laughs> you know variety pack of condoms
0: absolutely that's essential cargo right there
1: I will put like clothes back. I will put shoes back, deodorant, <laughs> toothpaste to make sure I got some condoms. <laughs> Plenty of them. Cause it ain't going to be no fun if you not safe and protected. That's not, that's just fucking around. Like that's no. It's
0: just stupid. It's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's
1: just stupid. It's not full grown woman. No, no.
0: I'm excited for you.
1: I am too, girl. Like, I'm kind of ready to go now, but I'm also like a little bit, you know, I'm still working through it. You know, I'm still, are you nervous? My pay- I am not nervous. I am. I feel confident, but my family only a few folks know that the other reason why I'm going to Columbia. So I'm kind of like outing myself a little bit.
0: Girl, I'm pretty sure your family doesn't listen to the show.
1: But they're going to read. My parents can't read. And they're going to. They can't
0: read. Good point.
1: (laughs) And my mom and I are Facebook friends.
0: (laughs) See, that's where you you fucked up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My dad is 60, so he doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't believe in the book face.
2: In the book face. Yeah.
1: But my mom and I are Facebook friends. But I have to make a decision, right? Like, be authentic, be genuine, be transparent, and like, live your best life. Or kind of just keep copping out. Mm -hmm. Like, who am I making comfortable here? Like, folks or myself?
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. That's what it came down to. Like, I'm all about co-creation with the universe. And the universe gave me this wonderful idea and the means to go do it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not cheap. This is not a cheap trip. So I have the means. I have the co-creation. Let's go see what's going to happen. Like, let's go figure this out.
0: I can't wait to read what you write.
1: (laughs) I can't wait to experience so I can write. Like, I can't wait to like, and I'm going to write all the things. Like, I'm not going to romanticize this. It's not going to be one of those, like, let's just put all the fluff and ice cream and rainbows and sunshine all over this. Like, I'm going to be authentic about my experiences. Again, I'm almost a six foot tall black woman traveling to a country where I speak just a little bit of the language. I'm an outsider. I'm a tourist. This can go a lot of different ways, but I think that some of the best writers, they 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 put all of it on paper. They pin it off. They don't just save the sweet stuff for their audience. They show the nasty and the raw and the ugly and the unexpected. That's a part of being a good writer too. Mm-hmm.
0: So any thoughts on where you might end up after Columbia?
1: No, I do not have a plan. Um, I told you earlier, I'm going to, you know, push my ticket back to stay two months instead of one, but I really, I really don't. And it, for somebody who loves to plan and somebody who loves to have their life planned out, um, it's kind of, I'm leaving room for destiny. Let's put it that way. I'm leaving room for fate. I'm leaving room for more co-creation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm taking my hands off of it, which I am learning to do and to be comfortable with. To say like I'm going to just trust this process, by not trying to plan out every single minute. I don't even have a plan when I land, girl. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a plan. I got an Airbnb for a week, and I'm gonna just go from there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's brave. It's, girl, it's cool you. as hell. People probably listen to this like yeah, the same thing, oh my gosh, she's so brave just so y'all know this did not like magically appear when I came back from Haiti, I was broke as all of the F's
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean I had 168 dollars to my name We're in the dead of winter I didn't even have a coat or boots right like I was super broke I was driving Uber at night to make money I was delivering packages for
0: Hold on, China. You're muted all of a sudden. Can you unmute yourself?
1: Can you hear me? I'm sorry. yeah,
0: okay, so you left off at I was delivering packages. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here.
1: My audio isn't muted. I can hear you now. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't know why my headphones went out.
0: Oh, maybe there's maybe they have a short in them, okay, are you still recording
1: yeah, okay, um, sorry about that, but I was saying that this isn't like a fantasy life, right i'm not a, I don't come from money, I don't come from privilege my My parents are hardworking people I come from public schools and student loans, so this trip is like a combination of a lot of hard work and sacrifice. I live with my family, you know, I have done all the things I can do. To save this money to make this trip happen for myself because I believe that this is gonna take me somewhere. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But in the hustling to get the money together to take this trip, you came up with a completely new business idea that's actually going really well in the short amount of time that you've put it together. So tell us about that. Yeah,
1: so I launched um, Rise Up Midwife, it's a t shirt shop, and I really call it an e commerce community that I'm growing Um, as a student midwife, I wanted to come up with like a line of apparel that like represented black and brown folks. I feel like there's a ton of doula shirts out there. You can find them Etsy and you can find them on Pinterest, but like none of them, like one of my favorite shirts says fierce queer doula, right? And I was like, oh my God, are people going to buy that? Like I'm I'm throwing it out there. And today after we had, uh, we met up, Somebody sent me an Instagram picture of them wearing my shirt that said fierce queer And I was blown away. I was so proud. Yeah. My shirt say, trust black midwives stand with indigenous birth workers. Mm -hmm. I'm not throwing out just generic products. Like I'm really looking at like my black and Brown folks. And it it was kind of risky, right? Like it was risky. Like are people going to be receptive to this? Are they going to buy this? And they have could not be more proud.
0: Love it, and they're they're really great designs. I remember the first day that I saw, it and I was like, "Uh oh, China been plotting something for a minute here." <laughs>
1: yeah, I've been plott- I think I've been plotting this. I've been like keeping ideas in my phone for a while, but it actually was my cousin who really pushed me to say, "You need to open a t-shirt shop. Like, you have what it takes to do it." But again, when I came back from Haiti, I was so in survival mode. I couldn't see up from down. All I knew was get to work, mm-hmm. start working, start making money. You need to, you need to get the the bills paid off first. Then after doing my due diligence, then I could say, okay, you know what? Let's, let's explore this more. And I didn't just want an e-commerce store. Again, I wanted an e-commerce community. I wanted people to come to my shop and like walk in the door and feel like I belong here. Like, they have something for me. It's like when you're a plus-size woman and you go to, like, Forever 21, you're like, oh, this ain't my store. Mm-hmm. This ain't for me. My thighs ain't gonna fit in none of this. Mm-hmm. But when you go to another store that's, like, catered to you, you're like, this is my people. Mm-hmm. They know that I need a little extra span in the decks, You know, maybe an <laughs> <a> extra XL. <laughs> These are my people. And that's what I wanted to create.
0: Yeah. It's good stuff. So, China, where can our listeners find Rise Up Midwife? Literally, riseupmidwife.com.
1: Check it That's our store. Yeah. (laughs) They can find us um, on Facebook at Rise Up Midwife, on Instagram at Rise Up Midwife. If you want to talk to me, you can talk to me
0: at hello at Rise Up Midwife. Like there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. China's easy to reach. You just got to want to do it um so check her out share the store go check it out you know any midwives you need to be letting them know about this store the designs are really cute and you know they're super like authentic you're not gonna find these anywhere else so check them out for sure
1: yeah and then also like the 90 second read like people are gonna be like oh my gosh i want to read her stories where can i find them Okay, everybody, just hold on. Like it's coming. <laughs> I'm getting the platform for it right now, and it'll be out. So the easiest way to keep up with like the ninety second read and when it's going to come out is just to find me on Instagram. So I'm at China Tolliver on Instagram. That's when I will announce when the ninety second read is available. But it's definitely going to be worth you following me on Instagram. Like you're going to be like, oh shit! And then there's a couple stories on there that I've already posted that you can take a kind of a peek and look at my writing style.
0: Well, and I'll also say that, you know, China. one thing that you didn't mention is that you're, you're a talented photographer. Uh, Thanks. I don't know if you had training, but your photos are really beautiful. Uh, So it's, so Instagram is worth, you know, it's the, you know, photos are made for Instagram. And so go to Instagram, the photos that she takes are beautiful. And then she has this really beautiful writing that gives context around what you're seeing in the photo, because it's not like, like these fashion-y photos, just like woman in window, woman in doorway, woman looking to the right mysteriously, woman listening <laughs> to her cup of coffee. <laughs> it's not like that. It's like, you can tell something is happening in this shot and, but without the backstory, you're like, wait, what, what was that? What am I looking, what am I seeing here? Who are, what's happening? Um, It's very compelling, very beautiful stuff. So check China out at at China Tolliver on Instagram.
1: Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to like take a beautiful photo and like you said, give a backstory to it, right? Like to let the reader know, you're seeing this one thing, but let me tell you what you really are missing. And let me tell you that in a really beautiful, powerful way. And that, and all the stories aren't, like like I said, dreamy and romanticized. Some of them freaking suck sometimes, you know? Yeah. But that's the way life is. We can't just always want the dreamy, romantic version of our lives. Yes. That's not really living.
0: No, it's not. I love it no. so much, Chana. I'm so happy that you're taking off um and off to seek your lover's unknown. I'm waiting for this show to come out. Like, in, you know, <laughs> we need to move it beyond Instagram and move it on to Netflix. I would watch that show. I think a lot
1: of people would. I didn't even think about, like, it being, like, a real show on Netflix, but <laughs> it, I mean, it literally could. I, mean, I think there is, uh, I've given folks a taste of the writing and what they can expect. Now I gotta just... I'm doing this for me too, let me say that. I'm doing this to kind of get my chops. And Haiti knocked me off, it knocked me on my back. Haiti knocked me on my back and kicked me while I was down. So this is kind of like a, a redemption too, for me, if I can say that. Like it's a, it's a healing, redeeming trip that I'm taking. And I'm going by myself. I don't know anybody in Colombia. I didn't call that ex-boyfriend up and tell him to meet me there.
0: This is 100% a solo trip. China's off on her big adventure. If you want to follow her journey, go over to Instagram and follow her at, at China Tulliver. That's C H I N A T O L L I V E R. And if you want additional updates from China as she's making her way through Colombia and hopefully some very, very beautiful Latin lovers, let me know. Shoot me an email if that's what she did podcast. And I'll be happy to share them with China and get her back on this show when she's a little, a little, a little further down the road. So, speak, ask, and you shall receive. Until next time, I'm out.